0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: The ruler of the synagogue, listen, was a man who was in charge of the synagogue. He was in charge of the service. He would make sure that there was order to the service. He would make the schedule for the person who was in charge of collecting the alms or collecting the offerings. There was also a man that the ruler of the synagogue was in charge of, but there was another man who was in charge of the scroll. And his job was to take the scroll out and to lay it on the table. So he would take the scroll out and lay it on the table. At the end of the service, he would roll it up and he would put it away. Now get this, the ruler of the synagogue, he had another job which was to make sure that the children of the community went to what was called the school of the book. The school of the book. Every six year old, every afternoon, would go and sit with the ruler of the synagogue and talk about the book. Can you imagine, no doubt, Jesus being six years old, he probably went to the school of the book. And can you imagine having Jesus as a six-year-old in your Sunday school class? Because kid's something else. And, and I always like to help you understand, Jesus was like any other normal kid. We've talked about this. You know, we kind of get the impression that Jesus was like super baby or something or super child, and he didn't like do kid stuff and skateboard and play video games. And... Okay, so he didn't play video games, <laughs> but he was like a normal kid. And you know, he's in Sunday school class. Can you imagine Jesus like in your Sunday school class and like little kids? They always got funny things to say. You know, he's raise his hand. The teacher, yes, yes, Jesus. He say, "I'm the Messiah." <laughs> teacher, like. Uh, are there problems at home, Jesus? (laughs) I'm the Messiah. So Jesus arrives in Galilee and he begins his public ministry by teaching in the synagogue. Notice again in verse 14, there was a fame about Jesus. A news was spreading all throughout the region because Jesus is teaching and people are being healed. Verse 16 tells us that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Saints, listen, I'm going to say this quick because we need to move on. Jesus was brought up in Nazareth, not any other location. He was brought up in Nazareth. Do not watch the History Channel. I'm telling you, if you want to learn some bad theology, you want to learn some bad Bible, listen to the History Channel. They're always searching for Jesus. When they don't have another story, they always looking for Jesus. Where is the real Jesus? I'm like, let me tell you, I know where Jesus is. A, 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 a Christian that has been a Christian for a day knows where Jesus is. He's in heaven making intercession for us. Somebody clap your hands, would you do that? <laughs> and praying for you. We know where Jesus is. So I flipping through the stations. I ain't nothing to do. Flipping through the stations, happen upon the History Channel. Oh God forbid. And they're talking about Jesus, and they said that Jesus, in the hidden years that he spent, that he was in in his hidden years, that he was in Tibet. These are New Agers, by the way. This story is coming from New Agers. And that he spent time in Tibet, and they call the hidden years a time in which the Bible doesn't really tell us that much about Jesus from the age of 12 to the age of 30. So they call those hidden years, and they say during those hidden years that Jesus was in Tibet, we know that Jesus wasn't in Tibet. We know that there were no hidden years because the Bible tells us that Jesus was brought up and raised in Nazareth. He was not in Tibet. Somebody say amen, would you? Oh, Jesus gracious, man. I look at that stuff. You know, I'm one of those kind of people, I see something on TV and I know that's like wrong teaching and I just start going crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, and Alvarez is like, honey, why are you watching that and it's getting your blood pressure up? Because I can't believe they are saying that. I can't believe it. Honey, but why do you watch it? Because I can't believe they are saying that. It's just driving me crazy. The Bible's very clear. He's not from Tibet. He's brought up in Nazareth, and that is why he is known as Jesus. Somebody help me. Jesus the Nazareth. It's not that hard. Jesus, the Nazarene, look at verse 16. It tells us, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. Listen, saints, it was his custom to go into the synagogue. It was his custom to go into the synagogue. It was his custom to go to church. Saints, it needs to be your custom to go to church. There's a whole movement out there. Y'all don't know about it because y'all come to church. You're here now. But there's a whole movement out there today of people who believe that they don't need to go to church and that they have church at home and that they don't need to be a part of the corporate body, they say. And so they don't go to church. And uh, that's unbiblical. The Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, as a matter of fact, I got it on the screen for you, don't I? Don't I? Hebrews chapter 10. Yes, I do. There it is. Hebrews chapter 10, 24, 25. Why don't you read it with me? And let us consider one another in order to stir up love, I can't hear you, and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Listen, we need to go to church. Why? Two reasons. Number one, because Jesus did. Number two, because he told us to. We need to go to church. And we need to go to church because God has given you a gift. When you become a Christian, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you are given a gift from the Holy Spirit. And that gift is given to you to build up and to edify the body of Christ. You are to have that gift so you can come to church and and be a part and take that gift and be a part of the body of Christ and thus making it a whole body. You are to use your gift to be a blessing to me. Y'all got mighty quiet. (laughs) And I am to use my gift to be a blessing to to you. If God has given me a gift of teaching, what if I just decided, you know what? I don't think I want to go to church today. I mean, it has happened. I didn't, I did show up. I didn't feel like it that one day, but I, I but what if I just decided I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to be here to share my gift of teaching with you. And there will be a missing part of the body. Because the body being many members, yet one body, we take all of our gifts and we use them to make up the body of Christ, a complete body. So we need to be a part of a church. Even if you're not a part, I'm not saying you need to be a part of Calvary Chapel. You don't need to be a part of this church, but you need to be a part of some church. And every Sunday, you need to get up. And every Sunday, you need to, every Sunday and every Wednesday and whenever the church doors open, if you can get there, you need to go to church. You know, some folks think Sunday I'm staying in the bed. I'm gonna have me some pancakes. <laughs> I'm gonna have me some pancakes I, I don't feel like going to church. I feel like stay at home and have me some pancakes, some syrup. It's raining outside, and I'm just gonna stay in the house. No, 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 no. Go to church. Teach your children. Teach your grandchildren. Go to church. I told you, if you live in my house, you going to church. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I am not walking out on Sunday morning leaving nobody in the bed. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? No, you ain't standing in the bed. And if you, if you want to stay in the bed, that's why my family don't come to visit me. I told them second service. My family does not, they don't come to visit me. And the reason they don't come visit me because they know Sunday morning, I'm waking you up, you are going to church. And so they prefer to stay in a hotel if they want to come to carry. But I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm not paying for the hotel. I don't mind. But if you come to my house, you're coming to church. Because that's what we do. The Bible tells us Jesus made it a custom to go to synagogue and so should we so he goes into the synagogue and notice in verse 17 the ruler of the synagogue handed jesus the scroll in verse 17 go ahead and look at it please the ruler of the synagogue handed jesus the scroll of the prophet isaiah jesus opened to isaiah 61 Now get the scene this 30 year old itinerant preacher walks into the synagogue on the sabbath day he is handed a scroll And he unrolls the scroll and he reads verse one through the first line of verse two of Isaiah 61. And then he stops reading. He hands the scroll back. He sat down and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Look at Isaiah chapter 61. You must see this. I've got it on the screen for you here. Isaiah 61. This is what Jesus quoted. And you've got to see something here. Jesus began to read and he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then there is a comma. Then Jesus sat down. He said, today, this is fulfilling your ears. Now, in the Jewish synagogue in those days, the teacher would sit down and the people would stand up while he was preaching. I told you the services were long, so the preacher might preach about three hours. See, I don't preach three hours. I know some of y'all looking at me like, Pastor Ronnie, please don't even try. (laughs) But the preacher would sit down and the people would stand up. Uh, Now, you know, I'd really like to go back to that. I really would. I mean, you know, I stand here. I, t- I stand in three services on Sunday. Your feet get tired. I like to go back to that. Matter of fact, why don't y'all stand up right now? Dave, give me a stool. So Jesus said, today, this is filled, fulfilled in your hearing. And you got to understand something, saints. As he read Isaiah 61 Jesus is basically saying to them I am the one I'm the guy that Isaiah prophesied about Jesus says I'm the one that the spirit of the Lord is upon and you got to understand something when he read this and he is saying this there is electricity in the air because Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah. And they are struggling because this guy walks in here. He reads one of the most famous prophecies from Isaiah and they know that he's a carpenter and he shuts the scroll. He sits down, says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He reads that. And then there is note this. I want to bring your attention. There is a comma here. This comma is very important because after that comma in verse two, listen to me close after that comma in verse two. Jesus stops in the middle of verse two after the comma begins to talk about the day of vengeance of our God. When Jesus stopped reading at the comma, the rabbis were shocked because they taught that you never stop in reading in the middle of a scripture or in the middle of a sentence, you always finish the thought. So Jesus stopped and then he began to sit and preach. So there's a comma there the comma listen is represents the first coming of the lord and the second coming of the lord because the rest of the verses i mentioned in verse 2 talks about the second coming of the lord so the bible says the spirit of the lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor right now we are living in isaiah's comma We are living in the day of God's favor. We are living in the day of God's blessings and we are living in the day of God's grace. But after that comma talking about the vengeance of the Lord, then that is referring to the second coming of the Lord. Somebody once said that this is the longest comma in history. It's 2000 years long and it is true. This comma stands between the first and the second coming of the Lord. So Jesus shuts the scroll and he sits down and says, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. The anointing has come upon me, Jesus said. To do what? To preach good tidings to the poor. Do you know that's what Jesus does? Are you listening? That's what he loves to do. Jesus is always gracious to people who are humble, get this, and hungry. Humble and hungry. Always gracious to people who are seeking him. To religious folks and people who already think they know, Jesus is very harsh on them. Read the Bible, you'll see very harsh religious Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians. Jesus would walk in the room and they're so religious. They got on the religious garb and the big fish hat. And you know, they, you know, they're, it's like, you know, they were just holy. And Jesus would walk in the room and look at him, look around the room and go, brood of vipers. Man, nobody talks to us like that. But to to, to someone who is humble and hungry, God always reaches them. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. I was on the phone with a guy this week. He called me. And uh, actually, he emailed me first and told me, he said, Pastor, I'm trying to get my way back to the Lord and trying to study and read the Bible. He says, I, I, I want to be close to God. He said, I don't know where to start reading the Bible. I said, well, start reading the John. I always recommend John, Gospel John, Chris. I always just because I think John's easy to read. And I think John establishes the deity of Christ, and I think that's important in your first understanding. So I said, read the Gospel of John. I said, start in chapter one. I said, when you finish with chapter one, email me what you learned. in chapter one. So he, he sent me back an email and said, maybe I can call you. I said, okay, that's fine too. Gave me my phone number, and then I called him the next day. And I said, so what, what'd you learn from chapter one? I'm thinking, you know, he just read chapter one. I said, what you learn from chapter one? He goes, oh, I've read the first eight chapters already. I said, oh, okay, hungry. I said, oh, okay, well, then what was chapter one about? Oh, well, in the beginning was God, and the word was God, and the word was with God. I said, what's that mean? Oh, that means Jesus God. This guy, he don't know nothing about the Bible, okay? But you get some folks want to tell you that, oh, he was a God, oh, whatever. So... Oh, Jesus is God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what does that mean? Well, it means that God came and took on flesh and came on us. Okay, well, what, chapter two. Oh, yeah, that was a wedding at Cana. I said, no, Cana. Cana. He goes, oh, okay, Cana. Yeah. And what happened there? Oh, well, Jesus turned the water and the wine. Oh, great, great. And then what about chapter three? He goes, yeah, well, this guy named Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. I said, yeah, Nick at night. <laughs> this guy's calling me from Minnesota, mind you. And uh, I said, uh, he goes, yeah, And he, he was a smart guy and he just couldn't figure out what Jesus was talking about about this born again thing. I said, yep, 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 chapter four. What was that about? God always comes to people who are hungry and humble like the woman in chapter four at the well who came and she's talking to Jesus. She's perplexed. She can't figure out how come a Jew is talking to a Samaritan. This doesn't happen. You want some water? Jesus said, If I give you water, you never thirst again. She's still perplexed. Sir, what are you talking about? And it's really interesting how Jesus lovingly draws that woman graciously, lovingly just pulls her along. He begins to talk to her and talk to her and he's talking about worship and she still doesn't get it. And he says, well, she says, well, people are talking about worshiping over here and worshiping over there. And Jesus said, forget about it. That's not what I'm talking about. He said, the ones who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And then she goes from calling him, sir, to now she says, oh, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Hmm. And by the end of that story, you're going to read it yourself. By the end of that story, that woman is running through town telling folks, come see a man who told me all the things that I've ever done. She was, became the first evangelist in the New Testament. And God loved, Jesus loved her. Here's my point, listen to me. He just loved her right where she was. The Spirit of the Lord anointed Jesus not to get wealth. He anointed Jesus to preach good tidings, the gospel to the poor. He anointed Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. You know, there's a lot of brokenhearted people in the world today. A lot of depressed people in the world today, the spirit of God was upon Jesus to proclaim liberty to the captives. The spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to heal and to give sight to the blind and to heal the oppressed. Look at verse 22 through 26. People are sitting there. Are you getting me? People are sitting there. They're dumbfounded. And they said, this is Joseph's son. This guy's just a carpenter's kid. And they're thinking, how can this be the Messiah? And at the same time, they were impressed that he was a hometown boy who could teach this way. And they wanted Jesus to do miracles to prove he was who he said he was. And they said, physician, heal yourself. And they would say, what we heard in Capernaum do here. And Jesus said, a prophet is not welcome in his own country. And then Jesus is simply making the point, listen, I don't owe you anything. Look how God worked in the greatest prophets in Israel. There was a great famine in the land and Elijah wasn't sent to Israel. He was sent to a widow in Gentile territory. Think of Elisha. There were many lepers in Israel and Elisha didn't heal any of them except Naaman the Syrian. And Jesus says, and now I'm here in Nazareth claiming to be the Messiah. And you think I owe you something because this is where I'm from. And notice the response to the sermon. Look at Verse 29, if you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. And, I, and, and they rose up. Notice their response to the sermon. By the way, this is an anointed sermon. They rose up and they thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built and that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Would you notice the response to this sermon? They were filled with wrath. Filled with anger because Jesus is saying there's nothing wrong with me, there's something wrong with you. They were angry because their request for a miracle was denied. They were angry because Jesus implied that God loved Gentiles. Jesus obviously had not read the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. He obviously was not into tailoring his message for the seeker sensitive that the message might be more enjoyable to the hearer. He wasn't into that. They threw him off the cliff. And obviously, and get this, you know, the thing that just honestly boggles my mind is that they threw him off the cliff. These are religious people. These are church Folk, y'all. And they threw him off a cliff on the Sabbath day. <laughs> These are the same folk that had a problem with Jesus and his disciples eating wheat on the Sabbath day because they were hungry. And they just walking through a grain of wheat. They took a little bit, just rubbed it together, blew off the chaff and popped the granola in their mouth. And they had the Sabbath police out there watching. <laughs> on the Sabbath... They take Jesus, they throw him off a cliff. Obviously, God did a miracle for Jesus because he obviously got up, dusted himself off, and he went on his way. And saints, we need to go the way of Jesus. We need to follow him. That's my desire. And I think that's what the desire of 42 people are today in baptism. They want to go God's way. And getting baptized is, is, there, is a public proclamation of the fact that they want to go God's way. We need to always go God's way. And if God, if Jesus himself needed to be filled with the Spirit, then we need to be filled with the Spirit. And we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to trust the Spirit. We need to believe what God has to say. Jesus loves sinners. Listen to me close. L- listen to me close. Jesus loves sinners like you and me. I was doing a radio interview uh, Thursday. On, uh, I was doing it here in my office. I wrote an article for the Bridge Radio. You can, you can hear the interview. I think it's bridgefest.org, I think it is. And, um, and in this article I wrote, I said, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can change anybody. And uh, yeah, the the interviewer, he liked it too. And uh, he did. He said, I really like that, Pastor Rodney. Now, what does that actually mean? What do you mean by that? And I just began to tell him how how humbled I am that God would do what he has done uh, with my life, and, um, and how God is uh, just moving in my life and use my life in a powerful way. And I'm just a nobody. I'm trying to tell everybody about somebody. That would be Jesus who can change anybody. That's you. That's me. And I told him, if God can change me, listen, God can change anybody. Salt and light.
0: Salt and light for you. you have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Carry